0: it's our rocks now <laughs> 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 it's, it's my rocks woe to you O earth and sea it's the the nation usa podcast
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children over the age of 21, welcome to the Hot Nation USA podcast. I am your host, Sam. With me, as always, Steve and Adam. We are here for episode 60. Right? 60. Yeah. You got All it. Right. I got yeah. it right.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well See, done. I'm not on the show all the time, so sometimes <laughs> I don't even know what episode we're on. I'm like a glorified guest, so
0: I'm glad <laughs> I got it right. How are you guys doing today? We Steve, are, Adam? I am doing well. I can't speak for Steve. I just about did, but I can speak for myself. I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. Good. Saw so you got a new whip. I did. I did. I finally uh, got rid of the old car. I got a new one sitting outside. Uh, I'm fairly happy with it, uh, and unfortunately... Uh, it's already dirty. I've owned it for four days and it's already dirty. You live in Pittsburgh a doy. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I I bought it in Maryland and within two hours it had already rained on it. It had already gone through a giant storm cloud of pollen. Yeah. So by the time I got to dinner, it was already <laughs> the wrong color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Northeast, yeah. What I say. Go live in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> is this is just something I'm going to have to deal with. Yeah. You're just
1: lucky you haven't popped a tire yet with all these friggin' bottles <laughs> everywhere. Ah. They're terrible. Ah. Alright, so you're great. You got a new car, you're yes. a car guy, so that's very exciting for you. Yes, Steve, what's up? I'm good. You're good? Yeah. Are you happy to be here? Yeah. You're excited. Well, see, you should probably tell
2: people where here is. Well, I'm going. I'm going to get there. I'm in a just minute. saying. i just I'm to just make saying, sure you're okay. I'm. I'm happy to be here because here is somewhere different. It's here right. is somewhere different. It's yeah. not Studio Central. Right. It's not AKA Studio my Central.
1: kitchen. There you go. Studio Central. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now enough teasing with this audience here. I'm going to tell everybody where we are today, and we are here at RX Brewing Company in Emsworth, Pennsylvania, which is. A little bit north of pittsburgh right off of ohio river boulevard and we are here with one of the co-founders doug foster hello doug hey fellas thanks for having me Thanks thanks for coming on yeah thanks for being here this is fantastic now, I'll let you introduce yourself, but for those that don't know, uh, Rx is a true gluten-free brewery. And I know this because I tried to bring Wendy's in here earlier, and I wasn't allowed. I had to actually tailgate the podcast and eat my uh, chicken sandwich in my car. <laughs> so, true gluten-free. <laughs> but we are very excited to be here today. This is going to be a great learning experience for uh the audience as well as us because i know at least for myself i don't know a lot about gluten-free beer i've never brewed it i've
0: rarely drank it right I, i've had a couple of, of Orox beers myself uh, but beyond that I, I got nothing
1: all right so doug why don't you uh introduce yourself to the audience here tell us tell us who you are and what you're about yeah absolutely so my name is doug foster i'm one of
3: the the owners here at Orox brewing company in accordance with my best friend ryan we opened Orox Brewing Company a handful of years ago. Our goal at Orox is to change the way the world experiences gluten-free beer. And for us, that starts with brewing great tasting, naturally gluten-free beer from great-tasting, naturally gluten-free grains at our dedicated gluten-free brewery, as <laughs> we found out. So uh, all of our beers are brewed with millet and quinoa. We also use some buckwheat and have exper- uh, experimented with some better tasting naturally gluten-free grains. And so uh, when I refer to better tasting grains, I'm comparing that to sorghum, which is a popular grain that is used in gluten-free brewing, but uh, a lot of people find that it has a an offensive or undesirable aftertaste. So, okay. uh, so we try to focus on better tasting, naturally gluten-free grains like millet and quinoa to brew
1: better tasting, naturally gluten-free beer. Interesting. Millet and quinoa. So quinoa I've had a number of times. Maybe you guys have as well. Oh, yes. What What is Millet. So millet's actually used, it's a good cover crop to help the uh, the soil recover, but it's used as
3: an adjunct in a lot of ancient grain flours or naturally gluten-free flours. It's a good adjunct. It can be used as uh, a flour all on its own to brew millet-based beer, but it's most popular when mixed in with other things. And it's actually found in a lot of bird seed, believe it or not. Oh, so, oh really? Okay. Oh. Birds like millet. <laughs> See, I we're knew we learned something. <laughs> brewing for people, for birds—it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, we nice. cover a lot of lot of territory.
1: Now, do the birds
3: get to eat the spent grain after you guys are done brewing? <laughs> you know, that's a good question. We we do offload some of our spent grain, but there are uh, other considerations that we have to take. We actually use a lot of rice hulls in the filtering of our beer, similar to brewing like a roggen style beer with a lot of rye. Mm-hmm. so, it's not uh, it it's not. The spent grain is not able to uh, to be eaten by all sorts of different animals. Mm. Mm. It's not just a general purpose, right? Right. It has to be a little more specific. I think maybe bovine or ovine uh, animals with a little higher tolerance. For example, a lot of people make dog biscuits out of their barley based spent grains, and we can't do that because the rice hull content's too high, and it's not mm. necessarily safe for the gotcha. dogs. So,
0: okay. So basically anything with more than three stomachs, or... Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: we, we've talked a lot about the beer. However, we do have beers that are right in front of us. So, Doug, I'll I'll turn the bite the mic right back over to you, and uh, we'll let you introduce the the first beer that we have here in front of us. This is the Orox Blondale. Uh, give us a little bit of a rundown on this beer, what it is.
3: Yeah. So the first beer we're drinking today is the Orox Blondale. We haven't gotten very creative in any of the namings of our beers, so it's basically Orox, the brewery name, and then the style of beer. And we do that because. We want to highlight exactly what people are drinking, but we also want them to focus on the brand and the logo. So everything we brew is catered specifically to anybody who's medically required to follow a gluten-free diet. That said, I'm glad you guys are here. We hope everybody can come and and find a beer that they enjoy. We brew about 17 different styles of beer here at ROX. Nice. That said, the blonde that we're drinking is one of our two most popular styles. And so all the beers that we brew are very sessionable. They're all 45 to 6.5%. The blonde in front of us here is 4.5% ABV. And the reason that we do that is twofold. One, Ryan and I just like sessionable beers. And so it's only natural that we brew sessionable beers. Mm -hmm. The second is that the extraction of sugars from the millet and the and the grains that we use is a little more difficult. It, it isn't optimized in the way that barley is. And so to get a higher ABV, to have more fermentable sugars available for the yeast to eat, we either have to really jack up our grain bill and because these grains are more expensive and, and are not necessarily a commodity grain, that could drive the cost way up. Uh, it also it just makes the brewing process more difficult. and So we found as we become more proficient and our malting company becomes more proficient, we're able to extract more sugar, but our sweet spot still remains in that four and a half to six and a half percent range. And so the Blondale comes in right at the, the bottom of that at four and a half percent. It is millet and quinoa based. It's all pale millet. And we use some sweet and tart Moroccan orange peel. We also use some coriander and, uh, and a clean, I believe it's a Chico yeast we're using for the blonde, but I would have to double check. I'm a little little rusty on, <laughs> on some of the brewing stuff since
0: I haven't been on the production floor in, in almost a year, I think. So, right on, that's awesome. Nice. Well, we've got these poured right in front of us. Yes, we uh, do. For those that can't see it right now, uh, number one, uh, that's your fault. <laughs> well, uh, no, no, it's not, not their fault. fault. It's not their fault. It's <laughs>
2: just they have to get here. They do yes. have to get here. But for those of you who haven't seen an Oryx blonde, it's pretty much just exactly like <laughs> you would expect of a blonde nail. There's no, there's no trick to this. It's a, it, it's a clear, effervescent. Uh, it has a nice yellow tinge to it, like a bit like a Peps blue ribbon.
0: I I would give
2: it a, a light straw, a light straw. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I don't know. I think it has a
2: nice color to it. No, I think it oh, does yeah. too. It, it, I'm just saying it. That's what it looks like. It, it looks like a Pabst Blue <laughs> me I'm not <laughs> knocking that. I drink Paps all the time when I'm <laughs> No, <hard>. I do. <laughs> we never knock
1: Paps on this show.
2: Yeah, it's tried and true. <laughs> Paps and Old Style just won at the World Beer Cup. You
1: can't <laughs> drink. Yeah, that's true. Now on the nose, um, definitely can smell some of that sweetness that you were talking mm-hmm. about some lemony some citrusy you said it was brewed with some coriander I'm going to get a couple notes of that as well
0: Yeah I'm definitely going to getting those citrus notes as- I can't say anything more you guys have have hit it pretty much per- pretty much perfectly so I'm not going to add anything else I'm just going to start drinking this thing Well Did you take a sip yet? I did, I did. Alright, what's your your, uh, initial assessment here, So, full disclosure, uh, this is not my initial assessment. Uh, I've actually had this beer before on multiple occasions. Uh, The first time I ever had it was at Beers of the Berg 2017. Uh, You guys were there. And that was actually the beer that made me go, hey, wait a minute. This isn't just good beer for gluten-free beer. This is just good beer. And I remember having conversations with these guys about it afterwards, like, hey, we need to check these guys out. And well, yeah, if you're just going to pull the curtain back, yes, that's
2: why we're here because <laughs> this actually just is good beer. It's <laughs> just good beer. I'm just going to rip that band-aid yeah. right off. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all here because we've all had works before at Beers of the Berg, yeah. specifically, and it's all good beer that, like, it just is good for being beer. It's
0: not right. gluten-free beer that's it's good. It's just good beer that happens to be gluten-free, yeah. kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And what I find fascinating, too, is you know, I and, and this might just be me. So, Doug, correct me if uh, you, you can, you know, pull out a, a distinction here in this beer versus, you know, some other blondes. But if you gave me this beer and you didn't say to me that it was made with quinoa and millet and that it is a true naturally gluten free beer, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I mean, it tastes like a good blonde ale. <laughs> well, certainly I appreciate that. And that's definitely our intention in
3: everything that we do. We strive to bring everybody back to the table and so that people can come together and drink beer, drink beer with friends, go out, and they don't necessarily have to think twice about being left out of a certain situation or drinking something that's mm-hmm. less than. And and so everything we do from the flavor of the beer, which I really am glad to hear that you guys enjoy it, but the fact that it does leave some lacing on the glass and that the, the, the head is nice and light and that the even the brand was, was or the I guess the... The brewery name, everything we chose deliberately because we wanted it to look and act and feel like another craft beer. Mm -hmm. That said, every single decision we make comes through the lens of brewing a beer that is specifically tailored to anyone who's medically required to follow a gluten-free diet. But we want everybody to enjoy it. It's why we brew a wide range of styles because we know that people have different tastes. And If you get diagnosed with celiac disease, for example, which is uh, the only only thing you can do is follow a gluten-free diet to, mm-hmm. to treat celiac disease, which is the autoimmune element that forces most people to follow a gluten-free diet. If you have celiac disease, maybe you used to drink Green Flash West Coast IPA, or maybe you used to drink one of the great beers brewed down at Grist House, or maybe you used to drink Iron City. And if that's the case, we want to have something that, although it might not be exactly what used to be your favorite beer, something that's in that family. Right. And so that's what got us started on that path and if it doesn't look smell taste act feel like a beer it's not going to scratch that itch and that's always been our driving force Mm
2: -hmm. now i'll I'll continue to toot your horn a little bit more doug but (laughs) uh these guys already said like they don't have much experience with gluten-free beers whereas I've had actually a number of gluten-free beers just because I don't know. I'm a drink- adventurous and I'll drink anything. And I treat my body like he's a bit of a drinker. <laughs> That's what he was going to say. Well, that and I treat my body like a garbage dump. So <laughs> everything from gluten-free beer to grain alcohol has passed through the system. Uh, but yeah, a I true have... expert. Is yeah, what you want. <laughs> exactly. But I, I've uh, I've had a number of gluten-free beers, and they all usually come out like thin and like you already mentioned about the sorghum with the bad aftertaste they have they're they're almost like ciders with bad aftertastes or some people try to brew kombucha and trick you that way (laughs) and call it tea beer and that's also garbage (laughs) but but your stuff is like like you said it does everything that you want it to do it's effervescent it looks like beer it tastes like beer it feels like beer it's beer beer. it's beer it's
1: just beer (laughs) certainly
3: very flattered by that and and we're actually part of a, a small, pretty tight-knit fraternity of other breweries that, that are doing what we do. There's, mm-hmm. It's hard as breweries continue to open, but my last count, I think there were about seven breweries in the entire world that are brewing with
1: millet. So it's oh, pretty wow. unique. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah,
3: and, and that's interesting. Even yeah. fewer brewing with quinoa. And so, at least of the ones that, that we're in contact with in North America, there's some great ones. There's one out of Seattle called Ghost Fish, a brewery out of Colorado called Hollidaily, another one out of, I believe, Portland called Groundbreaker. And then there's uh, probably the biggest of all the breweries that are brewing in this vein is a brewery called Bercier Sands Gluten out of Montreal. They sold as Glutenberg in the U.S. But uh, we are a small group of brewers brewing with millet. And so when you look at gluten-free beer, it really comes down to three categories. The first is those naturally gluten-free sorghum-based beers. Sorghum process uh, is similar to barley, has a uh, easily fermentable sugar profile. But doesn't taste very good. Then you have these naturally gluten-free breweries that are using millet and quinoa and buckwheat and amaranth and some of these other naturally gluten-free grains. And then there is the gluten-reduced faction, which is using barley and adding a popular brewing enzyme like Clarex or Clarity Firm. And personally, feel that over time that'll probably be proven out to be unsafe for anybody medically required. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't have the science background to, <laughs> you know, to break all that down. But uh, at least for me, someone I was diagnosed with celiac disease when I was five, and as The listeners can't tell, but you guys can see I haven't missed too many meals. (laughs) uh, You know, I figured that out nutritionally, and so over time I've seen the landscape evolve from a consumer packaged goods product, from a a beer product. Most importantly, and the barrier to entry is now great taste. And so Mm -hmm. what we hope to do, and with in partnership with some of these other breweries, or at least in partnership in in theory, uh, is to to bring great tasting beer to anybody that is interested in drinking it regardless of your food allergy. Awesome. Excellent. So you mentioned,
2: uh, you mentioned that you were diagnosed with celiac back in when you were at five. <laughs> I'm sure you weren't ready to drink beer back then. But <laughs> No, I, uh, I was not. Regrettably, I missed out on a lot of good years <laughs> of beer drinking. Uh, so what kind of drove you, and I guess
3: this is getting into the history of the brewery, what kind of drove you to brewing beer? Well, so that's a great question. So at the beginning, I mentioned my partner, Ryan. Uh, Ryan and I grew up together, went to high school together here in, in Pittsburgh locally. And so for a long time, I was really the only person that I knew that had celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disorder. And as I was growing up, there started to be a shift. And so there was an increase in diagnosis. And then there was the whole Dr. Oz phenomenon, we like to call it for lack of a better term, in which it just became part of the public consciousness. And then after that, you started to see more people getting diagnosed and more products available. But about 10 years ago, Ryan got really, really, really sick and was having all sorts of different medical issues and complications which is not uncommon with celiac disease because celiac disease being autoimmune presents in so many different ways. And so a lot of people have had long drawn out difficult diagnoses and misdiagnoses and Ryan was no different. So he was medically required to follow a gluten-free diet after his diagnosis about 10 years ago and we were able to replace a lot of the elements of his diet, but when it came to beer, Ryan had loved and lost. There were so many great barley-based beers out (laughs) there. And, uh, and he had started to explore with some import beers and some different craft beers. And so he was pretty disappointed. And I was telling him, hey, I drink this or I you know, try some of this. And he looked at me and was like, this is not going to cut it. So, <laughs> uh, so we started homebrewing with uh, sorghum extract batches. Neither one of us had ever homebrewed before. And so uh, as you can imagine, it turned out. Horrifically, and uh, every everything from exploding bottles to dropping glass carboys to just brewing oh, overall yeah. terrible beer. And so uh, it did not deter us, thankfully, and and we thought, okay, so you know, once we learned how to homebrew and we re- we realized that all the mistakes weren't necessarily our mistakes. We thought if we substituted the sorghum with a better tasting, naturally gluten-free grain, maybe we could brew better beer. And so that's what got us started with this idea and how we ultimately decided to start the brewery. The issue we ran into was that the supply chain didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I was going to ask is like how, if you guys got started homebrewing because we're all homebrewers as well. And we all got started on extract kits, but I don't think we've ever seen a sorghum extract. No. So Mm-mm.
3: like we wouldn't have known where to start. <laughs> yeah, so we had just gotten gotten started in a, a pretty traditional manner. Uh, although Ryan and I, to this day, have never brewed with barley, so I don't know how unique that makes us. Across the brewing landscape, having our own brewery and never having brewed with barley. So uh, we still get questions from brewers and home brewers about certain aspects of the mm. process. And, and I have to say candidly, you have to talk to one of our brewers because... I only have limited knowledge based on my experience, and so uh, there are certain things that I know better than others, and there are a lot of areas where I'm still extremely novice, so it's always fun to learn something different, even when we brew a new style of beer. It really started me down a path where I was exploring beer in earnest beyond what probably most people's first exposure to beer is, which is light domestics and mm, right. yep. oh, yeah. I'm, look, there's a beer out there for everybody and there's a place and time for for every <laughs> kind of beer. But uh, but I'm enjoying
1: catching up, so
3: excellent, cool. cool,
1: yeah. So that's that's interesting and I, I I wanted to maybe you maybe you won't know this as much but um, I wanted to ask you we've been talking about the different grains and, and extract that you're using to make the beer in terms of the overall brewing bottling process is there anything else that's drastically different between gl- brewing beer that is naturally gluten-free and other types of beer so that's a great question at first there was like I said the supply chain
3: didn't exist and so right. Years ago, we had to malt all of our own grains in Ryan's apartment in Shadyside oh, in downtown geez. Pittsburgh. <laughs> which, yeah, which was kind of like Breaking Bad, but with mice. Right. And, um, and was definitely a fire hazard. All of that beer was for homebrew experimental batches. We weren't serving <clears throat> yeah, right. home-malted mouse beer to anybody. But uh, but at least it, it gave us an opportunity to, to learn a lot more about all the different grains that we were trying, all naturally gluten-free. Uh, thankfully, as we started to grow in the idea and get very serious about starting the brewery, a dedicated gluten-free malting company out of Fort Collins, Colorado called Grouse Malting was starting up. Okay. And so we source all of our malts from a dedicated gluten-free malting company called Grouse. And so the, the biggest difference would be the sourcing and the vetting for lack of a better term of ingredients. Mm. And so mm. all of our malt is, or I'm sorry, all of our malt is naturally gluten-free from, a, from grouse all of our yeast is propagated from a molasses-based host or a sorghum-based host, and we are coming up with different ways to experiment with yeast strains because most liquid yeast is propagated from a barley-based host, and that's not going to work for us. And so all of our ingredients are source gluten-free. They come into the brewery. We send everything out for independent testing. To be considered gluten-free, something has has to have less than 20 parts per million. The lowest you can test for is five. And so we don't use any ingredient that tests above five parts per million, Mm -hmm. uh, even if it is under that internationally accepted threshold. And so the sourcing is probably the biggest difference. As we were learning to brew with these different grains, millet's much, much smaller than barley. So uh, as we were learning, the mash profile has changed drastically. We used to have like an eight-hour step mash that was a total nightmare. <laughs> We'd have stuck mashes and all sorts of problems, and, and as we've grown and as it's developed and, and in concert with some of the other gluten-free breweries, we've learned a lot more, and, and through, with, uh, through using some different enzymes, we're able to increase our extraction and cut our processing time down pretty dramatically, so what we're doing in the grand scheme of things isn't vastly different than a barley-based brewery. You're breaking down the cell structure of grains to extract sugar to feed those precious yeast that give us the uh, delicious
1: alcohol that we all drink. So oh, yes. that process is for the yeast. same. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's quite fascinating. Um, and and you touched on this earlier, but I, I, I got I got to no know because there might be some listeners out there thinking, yeah, I've, I've tried gluten gluten free beer before, but there's a difference between what you guys are doing and then what some of the other major breweries are doing with their one or two maybe gluten-reduced beers. So you mentioned a little bit about that earlier, but I'll ask you to talk about a little bit more about that. Is there, what is the big difference between a gluten-free beer and a gluten-reduced beer? So this is the first time I've ever talked about
3: this on a recorded platform. (laughs) So anybody, which, anybody smarter than me or with a science background, which I'm assuming it includes most of the listening populace. <laughs> Somebody's uh, got Adam. Might be able to take me to task a little bit, but you I, already said you weren't a doctor. It's fine. <laughs> well, I said I wasn't a a medical doctor. No, no, no just say I'm not a doctor. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm not a doctor. Uh, basically, um, following a gluten-free diet, uh, you're avoiding lots of things, not only gluten, but you're trying to avoid cross-contamination and, and different exposures to gluten, which is why you couldn't bring your Wendy's in. And so when you're talking <laughs> about parts per million, we start, uh, not only do we source all the ingredients gluten-free, but the entire facility here is gluten-free. We don't brew barley-based beer. We don't brew gluten-reduced beer. Uh, everything that comes in the facility needs to be gluten-free and is tested. That includes the employee lunches, so uh, we have six full-time employees and eight part-time employees and only three of us uh, have celiac disease and so everybody else is required to bring a, a gluten-free lunch uh, mm. or they have to eat in the car which i the only person i've ever had to to the car before sam was my mom uh, but she knows the rules All right, so, me and Doug's mom. Yeah.
1: we have eaten in the parking lot of marks nobody else has
3: so yeah it's uh but we take it very seriously mm. now the chance of cross-contamination through a lunch is probably pretty low but the idea is getting everybody of the mindset that everything we do has to be with with anybody's medical best interest mm. in mind so uh, as far as gluten reduced the issue is it's a barley based beer and they're adding a popular brewing enzyme called clarex or clarity firm and as far as i understand it the clarex is used to reduce chill haze and help clarify beers and so while doing that it breaks down proteins into smaller parts and mm. currently to test for gluten they you uh what is used is it's called an eliza sandwich test and i believe and this is where the lack of science background can get me into trouble. But I believe there's two molecules that need to be globbed onto. And as a sandwich test, it traps the protein in the middle like a sandwich. And so when the Clarex or Clarity Firm breaks the protein up, it's not necessarily getting rid of it, it's just making it smaller and, and so that it's passing the test. And so it's really unclear. And I feel like the research that been has been done, at least the, the studies that I have read, and again you think I'm bad at science? Not a great reader either, but, uh, but the, uh, the studies seem limited, and so I know that following a naturally gluten-free diet is the best way for me to maintain my health. And whether it whether you have gluten intolerance or gluten allergy or celiac disease and an autoimmune element, the best thing I can do is naturally follow a gluten-free diet. And if I'm brew or if I'm drinking something that has been brewed with a naturally gluten-free mash. I'm in good shape and I have nothing to worry about. So I'd rather do that. People ask, like, hey, if you could take a pill, would you do that? And at this point, like I said, I'm 33. I'm not wasting away. (laughs) I want to see 50 years of research going into that before I'm willing to do that because I know uh, it's not as difficult as it was 10 years ago. And so if I can do this and be safe and have a great time and and do it safely, I'm going to, to pursue that naturally gluten-free diet mm-hmm. and that naturally gluten-free beer, as opposed to gluten-reduced. But at the end of the day, we're all responsible, food allergies or uh, autoimmune issue or whatever, we're all responsible for what we put in our bodies. So when I go out, I have to make the conscious decision. And I don't begrudge anybody for the decisions they make, but I want to make sure that there's always a naturally gluten-free option. Sounds great. Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Adam, this is the first time I've ever gotten a wow response <laughs> from Adam, <laughs> so. Your first wow. That was.
0: I, I've got no response to that. That was perfect. That was, that's like an old school. Are, yeah, are you Jim, James Carvel's
1: debating, and
3: like, <laughs> we have, we we have, have no so response. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, you sure, you never talked about that on a podcast before or on the radio? <laughs> <laughs> do a, like the Mark Madden show or something? Rehearse it in the mirror. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think uh, maybe it's about time we get back to the
0: Orox Blondale. Our first beer of the night. Well, I never really got away from it. While you guys were talking, I was—if you didn't notice—I was pretty silent during that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mostly because I was enjoying this beer. Okay. So. Well, why don't you take the time now and give us a little more than two words? <laughs> I liked it. That's three. There, we're good. Ugh, yes. yes, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it. Like Doug said, this is a very sessionable beer, very drinkable. Uh, it's—it's it's just good. It's light. It's crisp. It's just. It's just an easy drinker. And honestly, what else can you ask for in a Blondale? It's just, yeah, just a good, easy drinker. Bottom line. Yeah. I'll mention uh, as it
2: warmed up, because while Sam and I were talking, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, my beer warmed up a little bit and it, like the the taste didn't change too much. It opened up a little bit more, mm-hmm. but it didn't turn like it didn't turn. It's still acting like beer. Right. <laughs> right.
1: It didn't get wild on you.
0: Right.
2: No,
1: it still acts like beer, even mm. even a little bit warmer. It's behaving. Yeah. yeah and I mean, for me, I'm, I'll definitely agree with what you guys said. And, you know, this certainly isn't going to be the first time I've mentioned this on the podcast. So for those who have heard our earlier episodes with me, you've heard me uh, say that the blonde style of beer is certainly not my favorite. It's something I'll drink, <laughs> yeah. but generally something I wouldn't pay for. I'm um, an IPA guy, as we all know. But this this beer has a lot of flavor. And I have to say, I'm a sucker for coriander. I just brewed a new homebrew uh, with my buddy and we did a cardamom wheat, but we also threw some coriander in there for summer, so nice. I don't know. We haven't tried it yet, so it may be great. It may suck, but I like coriander. That's <laughs> the point I'm getting at here. You just have to and, believe uh, in You, yourself you can saying. taste it in every sip. There's a ton of flavor in this beer and I think it's very delicious and you know great for great for the summer months. Perfect for a tailgate.
0: Yeah. You know. that's a, that. You make yeah. a very excellent point. This is a good
1: tailgate beer. Yeah. yeah and like Doug told us earlier, it's not too strong it's a, more of a sessionable beer so what you, did you say about Four and a half. Four and a half. Mm-hmm. so yeah something you can certainly enjoy over and over oh yes in, all right in the summer months yeah all right excellent well that's uh that about does it for the for the arcs blonde ale in segment one so stay tuned Nation. we'll be right back at you in no time uh with more from Rx brewing and the co-founder that's on the show with us today doug
0: foster so stay tuned Check this out! There's a Seattle company called DeVore that enables discovery of new and exciting beers and breweries. DeVore gets the best independent beer from literally around the world – Denmark, New Zealand, Belgium, and of course everywhere in the US. The app is incredibly simple to use to get some ridiculously good beers delivered right to your door.
1: Welcome back Hop Nation! We are here and we are ready to drink some more gluten-free beer and once again we are still here at Arx with Doug Foster, one of the co-founders, and we are ready to dive right in to our second beer. So Doug, what are we going to be drinking next? So we're drinking the Arox Session IPA.
3: It's also 4.5% like the blonde. It, uh, it uses pale malt in addition to some of the darker roasts of, of millet malt that we have. Nothing too dark or too heavy. It's a... A bronze color, and in addition to that, we use a, a pretty traditional hop profile with Centennial and Cascade hops, so you've got a little pine, got a little citrus, about 48, I believe, 47, 48 IBU, so it is just a tick above a pale ale, a good introductory IPA for someone that's maybe not into hops, but if you're naturally required to follow a gluten-free diet and you want to try a hoppier beer, this might be a, be a good beer for
1: you. Well I have to say I'm excited. I'm a hop head, love IBA, I, IBAs. You love IBUs? <laughs> I love IBUs. <laughs> and I love IPAs, so I I could not be more excited to try this beer. I know for for a fact that I have not had this yet and and I'm anxious to, to dive right in. So Well let's so, not
0: dive in quite yet. Oh well, no, we gotta look at
1: the colour, the yeah. and smell. Right. We gotta do the whole rigamarole, but
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rigamarole.
1: That's
0: a fifty cent word. <laughs> So on the color, it, it's definitely a little bit darker than the uh, than the Blondale. It's uh, I would call it a light copper. Yeah, yeah, definitely light copper. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's definitely not a VFW beer. Uh, where it's got some, you know, it's got some character to it. Just mm-hmm. looking at it, it's got some character. to Yeah, it. yeah. It's not as clear as the
2: Blond was, and it's not as effervescent either. But that's okay. Yeah, we that's still fine. believe. We still <laughs> believe in it. On the nose, it's hops.
1: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I like the nose. It smells really
0: good. I appreciate the nose. <laughs> for the style, <laughs> I appreciate the nose. So, Doug, for your information, I am not an IPA guy whatsoever. I don't know if you picked up on that yet, but I, yeah, if I don't like it, that means it's probably a good IPA. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you hear a lot of Adam saying on the podcast, well, I appreciate it for the style, That's and right. that usually means he doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to badmouth it. <laughs> All right, so what the hell, let's let's jump into this. Yep. Well, I like that. Hmm. Now, what's the IBUs on this one, Doug? Because it, so, it doesn't taste too, too hoppy. No, it's, like you said, it's 47, 48 IBUs. Okay. So it's not in
3: overly hoppy. And so most of the beers oh. that we brew have a, a pretty moderate hop profile to them. A lot of that has to do with the fact that they're very sessionable beers and they're lighter on the palate. And so they don't necessarily have the malt backbone that pairs very well with an extremely hoppy IPA. And so everything that we brew we we do very well with that 40 to 50 maybe sometimes 60 IBU range where it's moderately hoppy or sometimes we actually have a lot of popular beers that are that are dry hopped or we do something post fermentation or towards the end of fermentation because it adds a little bit more to the aroma profile of the beer without being extra hoppy and so because of the light mouthfeel because of the lower ABV the conservative hop use is
1: intentional. Okay, because I was going to say you can you can taste the hops in every sip. They're there, they're pronounced, but at the same time, they don't linger around
0: too long. It's not as is not as hoppy as I was expecting. It does not have that hop residue. Yeah, that uh, certain people on this podcast do not appreciate.
1: <laughs> well, what do you think of this beer, Adam? So
0: what I what I what I do like about it is on the nose. It is very upfront about what it is. Uh, it makes no bones about it. This is an IPA. This is going to have hoppiness to it. But also, what I like about it is, like you said, this is kind of a. Not necessarily an introductory beer, but it, it's kind of a stepping stone if you want to get into the ale and IPA world. And, and what I like about that is it kind of eases you into that. It does have that hot flavor, that hot profile, but it doesn't punch you in the mouth. And most importantly, uh, from my perspective, it gets the hell out of the way when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> Where it doesn't have that hot residue, it doesn't just stick around, it just has that nasty hot pellet taste to it, which uh, I do not appreciate. Others might. I don't. But I, I like the fact that it gets in and it gets right back out. And I like that about this beer.
1: The whole flavor profile of this beer, this seems like a really good gateway into IPAs. It's going to be like, all right, well, you can try it out. You're going to taste some of the hops. See mm-hmm. what you think. It's not going to overpower you or anything, yep. but, but you will get a flavor of what the beer is about. Yeah. I, I think it's good.
2: Yeah, I, I like it, too. It's it's balanced. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have, again, you guys both already said it, but it, like, it doesn't have that bitter back end. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's an easy drinker as compared to trying to dive into a six point resin. Right, right.
3: <laughs> Death well, by hop. It's so funny you guys bring that up too, because most of my buddies that are into IPAs are really into IPAs, and it's gotten progressively more obsessive <laughs> for all of them. So they started with relate. something. <laughs> yeah, they start with something that's hoppy, and then it just keeps growing, and they're looking for the most dank and hoppy and and different beers they can find out there. And for us, it just doesn't balance well, I think Steve, you used the term, doesn't balance necessarily well with the grain bill. And so we think this is the, the right level. And also mm-hmm. we want to brew a beer that anybody can pick up and enjoy. And so if you like to drink IPAs and you used to drink barley-based beers and you've been diagnosed and you're medically required to follow a gluten-free diet, hopefully this scratches that itch. And we do other beers out, the, out of the tasting room that are a little bit hoppier, but this tends to be one of our most popular in addition to the Blondale, because it does appeal to a, a wider audience. Yes.
0: Cool. I, yeah. I would agree with that. Uh, it The fact that all three of us like this beer, says a lot. Yeah. Very tasty.
2: <laughs> so uh, I just wanted to start asking a little bit more than you, You've been mentioning how you brew like 17 different styles and you're talking about kind of the different things you do at the end of fermentation and stuff. Uh, can you speak more to that? like? what are your limitations as far as like what kind of adjuncts can you use any styles that you can't
3: do that's a great question steve so we don't do a lot of we don't brew a lager we don't brew a pilsner i think the the cleaner or the more malt dependent styles we've had traditionally less success with and so anything that involves some spice or some fruit usually is pretty successful anything that involves some level of hop is pretty successful and a lot of the darker roasts of Malt really add a lot of different level and character to the beer that we're brewing but anything that is More maybe traditional or German style. We've had some difficulty with and so we stick definitely in that in that Ale vein or what most people know Mm -hmm. like the common ales and so um that's really where where we tend to focus. That said, we're always experimenting. As, as grouse comes out with new and different malts and as we become more proficient and it, candidly, full disclosure: I haven't brewed in about a year, and so uh, I haven't oh, brewed really? in a year. Yeah, I uh, I know I seem like such an expert, but uh, but my business partner Ryan and I both got started home brewing, and then we we stepped up to a Sabco Brew Magic, a half barrel system, uh, when we were doing those ridiculously long and. Mm-hmm mind-numbing step mashes, (laughs) and and then we stepped up to the to the system that we're brewing on now but we've also brought on brewers that are more experienced and more talented than we are and so they've been able to really help take out some of the imperfections and and take us to the next level so um i get to focus more on the business side I, i still am involved with bottling and some milling and a couple of the the other more rudimentary production elements and and uh I candidly, I, I miss being on the production floor. It's great, but uh, there are people that are better than I am, and so they're out there experimenting, doing different things. We brew a New England style IPA that uses a lot of quinoa, where most people would use fleck barley, and that. Um, uh, it helps to to mimic the style a little bit, and so there's a lot we can do, whether it's dry hopping, whether it's putting interesting things in a Randall, whether it's using other naturally gluten-free grains, things that we can do that impact the ABV, impact the mouthfeel, impact
0: the flavor and the aroma, so. Right on. So in, in that same vein, is there anything that you've ever had to essentially MacGyver on a recipe where it's something that nobody has ever done before? And you've kind of had to experiment a little bit until you were able to get it, to get it right. Have we ever screwed up? <laughs> <and> <laughs> pretended like
3: we did it on purpose? Pretty much all the time. Have we ever done something no one's done before? I don't know. You okay. Know, people have been using different different ingredients to to brew from the dawn of time. I sometimes people ask like, do we have a patented process? And the answer is no. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, we historically moved from a nomadic society to an agrarian society, largely in part because of the, the potable drinking water or liquid that, that became beer through the fermentation of, of sugar and grain. And so uh, there's probably nothing we're doing that hasn't been done by somebody over the course of history. That said, we have had to MacGyver plenty of different <laughs> solutions from a pen cap, a paper clip, and, and uh,
0: a beer cap. So. There's a lot of different things that we've done. I certainly hope there was a rubber band involved in this oh, somewhere. Oh, definitely. As well. <laughs> the least
1: <police laughs> one. There's a whole rubber band ball. Those are really fun. <laughs> now, you've mentioned your, your other brewers uh, a couple times so far on the show, and, and I have to ask, are, are they gluten-free as well, or have they brewed you know, a wide range of styles? No, neither of our brewers are gluten-free,
3: and so both Will and Chris have a background in barley-based brewing. Uh, both homebrewing and professional, and so they bring a lot of different different dynamics to the brewery and different experiences that Ryan and I don't have, especially when it comes to quality control and some of the creativity and and thinking outside the box with different ingredients and different additives and adjuncts and all sorts of things that, that really give the beer its depth, and so we're really lucky to have them. They're really great technical brewers. They're a lot of fun to be around, and they're doing stuff that Ryan and I could have only dreamed of. So it's really cool to have uh, have people that are better than
1: you on the brew floor. Mm-hmm. And that's great that they were able to bring their talents to... Uh... To your brewery as well, because I mean that, I'm sure that brings a different perspective to, to some of the beers, especially having started with barley-based beers and now they're going to brew with meat, millet and quinoa. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and candidly too, uh,
3: Ryan has experience with a lot of different styles. But I mean, we're talking now we're we're going on a decade, and so that that recollection starts to fade. And so we have outside tasting panels, but to have somebody in here every day that goes home and drinks a variety of different ipas or a variety of different weed style beers or blondales or browns porters everything else it really helps us hone our quality control and our sensory panels and and really make sure that we're brewing beer that that we're proud to put out so i guess it would also maybe help keep up with like uh, current trends and styles
2: because if you know will and chris are out there you know drinking what's popular they can maybe try to Figure out, and again, MacGyver, <laughs> MacGyver, their own versions of things. Like you said, you just started brewing a New England IPA, which that's the new hot oh, thing. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: That's a, Steve, another great point. I mean, they're out there, they're, they help us push the envelope. At the same time, we're constantly having to have team meetings with everybody and say like let's not forget here's what we're all about and it's good to have that kind of yin and yang or that push and pull where we want to push the envelope we want to do something different but having done this for a couple of years now i I believe that gluten-free brewing is maybe where craft brewing was 20 years ago and so it's going to we are, we, the royal we, the gluten-free brewers <laughs> of America. Uh, if there's not a trade group, I don't know if I can trademark it. Anyway.
1: Yeah, you can do it right here. On the yeah, sure. Many people like have done it before group, you. Sure. So. We, we trademark, trademark all trademark kinds of things. It's part yeah. of nation exclusive. Yes. <laughs> the gluten-free... We get a piece. Yeah, it
3: was, <laughs> fair enough. What's, what's 10% of zero? Um, <laughs> but the... Uh, we're catching up rapidly because of the path blazed by all these other amazing craft breweries. And so the groundwork is laid, but we're still trying to figure out, okay, how do we brew these these beers to that are quality, that are flavorful? How do we then brew them to style? How do we brew them in a way that's economical and sustainable? How do we push those styles? How do we package them? How do we Distribute them. And so all the challenges that have been faced by the industry before us, we're still facing, but we're catching up quicker from a uh, gluten free brewery perspective. And so it is a good balance, a a push and pull between uh, guys with a lot of experience that are starting to follow or want to follow trends and from a gluten-free brewery perspective, just wanting to put out a quality product. And being able to put beer in a bottle or a can and put it on shelf is a huge victory for mm-hmm. a gluten-free consumer. So uh, being able to get it is
1: step one. So, so, so to segue into my next question, what, I, what I'm what i gonna ask is, you said you wanna make sure that, that, that people can get your beer. So for RX Beer, where what, what are your distribution channels outside of this brewery here in Emsworth, PA? Where would one find your beer? Yeah, so thankfully
3: that is becoming an easier and easier task. So as we uh, enter spring, we signed a wholesale distributor contract with Frank B. Fuhrer Wholesale, who is an amazing wholesaler here in western Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and, and known nationally for their efficiency and professionalism and just the great job that they do. And so we're really fortunate and excited to be partnered with them. And they're going to be distributing our beer to 10 and a half counties in western Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, congratulations. Thank that's, you. Yeah, <laughs> that's very admirable. No way. That's, that's, that's huge. <laughs> that's their ability to reach 10 and a half counties. Right? <laughs> Before that, we were all self-distributed, so as a Pennsylvania-based brewery, we're able to self-distribute prior to signing a wholesale distributor mm-hmm. agreement, and so that was really important to us because we really wanted to get out there and understand the customer in terms of the retailer your beer distributor your bar your restaurant your grocery store and we also wanted to understand the consumer and make sure that we were hearing from people this is what i like this is what i don't like because it's really easy for us to get caught up in our own assumptions about what gluten-free beer should be like or what the gluten the experience for a gluten-free beer drinker is like but there are a lot of people out there that are uh, having, the, having an experience, and so we want to hear from them and make sure that we're meeting their needs. And on top of that, we just want to brew great beer that everybody can enjoy. So it's important that we're talking to a lot
0: of different people to get their, get their input. So with that in mind, is there anything that you, you have planned in the future? Are there any sort of moonshot beers in terms of, you know, you've got a picture up on the mirror when you get up every morning and it's underlined with one day kind of thing. <laughs> That's a great question. I think it it probably varies within the brewery depending on who you
3: talk to. And so honestly, for me, the first part was, the, the first milestone or the first hurdle was just being able to enjoy a beer and sit down with friends and have something that I was proud of that I could share that was really flavorful that I wanted to have another. And another. Steve, you mentioned you said you'll drink anything. (laughs) I totally understand, (laughs) but isn't it a lot better when you can drink something that you're looking forward to and so. Yes, it is. Yeah, and that was our first hurdle. The second one was being able to get it in a way that didn't disrupt my schedule. And so we're in about 125 (laughs) different retail locations in Western Pennsylvania, but about another 20 in Philadelphia. Really?
0: You guys are out in Philadelphia as well?
3: So we self-distributed to about 125 accounts in Western Pennsylvania and about 20 in Philadelphia. We've signed with wholesalers in Western Pennsylvania like Fuhrer, and then we're signing with a wholesaler called Shanghai's in Eastern Pennsylvania, and that'll cover most of the state for us, so hopefully people will be able to find their beer at their uh, favorite places throughout the state. but. Uh, before that, we were just self-distributing. It really gave us an opportunity to meet with customers and really learn what they were interested in, and cut our teeth and and make our own mistakes without without having to be accountable to another partner. and We think <laughs> mm-hmm. we're probably better for it. <laughs> right. <so. laughs> yeah. That's cool. Uh, so
2: I'm. Um, we haven't really mentioned it, but like the so far the two beers we've had, the the blonde and the session IPA, both came in bottles. So obviously those two you can find out in the wild. Uh, is there anything else? what else would uh, drinkers be able to find, look for,
3: can, yeah. cans or bottle-wise? So, that's a great question. Right now, our blonde ale, the Orox blonde ale and the Orox Session IPA are available in 12-ounce bottles, in, by the four-pack, by the case, or obviously individually at a bar or restaurant. We are going to be releasing the Orox Amber Ale later this summer, probably in the August, maybe September time frame, and the porter later this fall. We do plan on switching to 12-ounce cans. It is something that we feel really allows us to take the beer anywhere. And so there's only certain places you can take glass bottles, mm-hmm. but cans can go anywhere. And we just think that really fits with what we're into personally and what a lot of the people that like to drink our beer are into. And and so we're going to make that transition. But uh, it, it, by the four-pack, the Blonde and the Session are available in, in most of those retail locations.
1: Now... Why did you guys decide to go with the 12-ounce cans? Because the trend seems to be for, you know, these microbreweries, nanobreweries, they are canning, but they are all going with the pint. The 16-ounce can, the tall boy, or excuse me, the pounder. Not a well, cowboy. That's twenty-four ounces. Yeah, Sam, that's a good question too. And
3: so we don't have any canning equipment on site, so no decision has been made <laughs> oh, okay, official okay. until you have the equipment in the facility. Nothing is a done deal. <laughs> that said, we do have a we do have a dual head Mahin twelve ounce bottle filler, and everything that we do is grain to gl- we like to say grain to glass gluten free. And so it's sourced gluten free, it's produced gluten free, it's all tested, and then we package in house that uh, eliminates the risk of cross-contamination, and so picking cans, it makes a lot more sense because the economics of what we do are a little bit different. We're talking about more limited, more difficult to source ingredients, extra testing processes, and that itself creates a different cost structure, and so (laughs) with that, there are other considerations like how are we packaging the beer. Bottles tend to be a little more expensive to produce than cans, and now with the with the progress that's been made in terms of can quality, probably the best beer you can get is in cans because Mm -hmm. there is no light. You're not having any of those weird off flavors that are imparted by the aluminum. And so the reason we chose the 12 ounce well, we, we've had a long and illustrious <laughs> history in terms of picking uh, different packaging. And so when we first got started, we were actually bottling everything in 22-ounce Bombers. I remember those I remember. days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So some, uh, bombers are great for for the beer drinker, but if you're newly gluten-free or maybe you're just coming back to beer because you've been drinking wine for a long time and... and there are finally some beers that you might be interested in. A twenty-two ounce bomber, especially at a bar or restaurant, is a pretty big investment. Right, so absolutely. You're committed, right? And so the twelve ounce cans, the twelve ounce, or the twelve ounce bottles, hopefully the twelve ounce cans, just seem to fit everywhere. And so I know sixteen ounces work at stadiums and dedicated bottle shops and places that have a, a pretty dedicated craft beer following. But as much as we hope that we can appeal to the craft beer drinker, we want to make sure that we appeal to everybody. And so. 12 ounce just seems to make the most sense. It allows us to price it in a way that we think is competitive. We want to be superior on taste and competitive on price, and so. Uh, as much as I don't like to talk about it when I'm talking beer, it is a consideration. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, uh, everything from production to finance to sales just kind of pointed to the 12 ounce can. So not the uh, sexiest answer, but. No,
1: I mean, that makes sense. I was just curious because everybody's going with the pounders and not, not that there's anything right or wrong
0: with that. It just seems to be what everybody's doing. So, so Sam, the worst thing you have to do is just drink two. I know, right? <laughs> exactly. It'll make a cooler wizard staff when I duct tape them all together, you know, because there'll
1: be more cans in there. Maybe I can even mix in a few other 12 ounces, get some variety in my staff. All right. I don't know where to go from here, I'll be uh, honest. I think, maybe I think maybe back easy, to the
2: beer. Yeah, I think it's just easy to say, well, we can look forward to the Session IPA in cans, hopefully. Oh, yes, yes, we can. But for now, we have it in our glasses. And uh, available in bottles. Yeah, it's available in bottles now. So, uh, thoughts? Final thoughts? Adam, we'll
0: start with you, Mr. I Don't Like IPAs. So, I don't like IPAs, I'll be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've said that pretty much every episode that we've ever had an IPA on the show, and I'm not breaking new ground with that information. No. Uh, but again, like I said earlier, what I like about this, it announces what it is, it does what it needs to do, and it gets the hell out of the way. It doesn't have that hop residue or anything like that. It doesn't, you know, stick around. It's not the last to leave the party. When everybody else wants to go to bed, but they say no, just one more round of Mario Party. It'll be fine. <laughs> Why are you staring so intently at Sam like that? <laughs> hint, hint. There's always time for one more Adam. You only live once. <laughs> but no, it's 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 a good beer. In in like what Doug said, it's a, an introductory beer. You know, if you haven't been into that pale ale, uh, IPA world before, this is a good way to come into it. And I and I do appreciate that. I'm going to kick it over to one of you two guys that actually know what you're talking about when it comes to IPAs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, as someone who
0: can, who can truly appreciate
1: the style as I drink, very hoppy IPAs, you know, lighter session IPAs and everything in between. I, I really do enjoy this beer. It's It's got a nice flavor. But then it dissipates a little bit and it it leaves me wanting more, which is great, because you know, generally in a glass I'm sipping about one ounce at a time. So I got twelve sips before I gotta crack another one. And (laughs) you know, that's that's very that's very exciting to me that I'm always that I'm always wanting another and it's it's not too overpowering. And once again, just like the blonde This is 4.5%, it's a session beer, so you can take it on, you can take it to a tailgate. You can, you know, after you mow the lawn, you can sit on your back porch and enjoy one and still be able to drive to dinner later on. It's, it's, It's a nice, refreshing beer. And and you can't always say that that IPAs are refreshing. Mm. I mean, you can't. Even yeah. I, I can say that. And sometimes <laughs> I like that. Trust me. Sometimes I'm not looking for refreshing. But at the same time, this one is. And and you know the the lower hop profile is is it works very well. It's very mm-hmm. balanced beer. Yeah. So I'll
2: just say this is the complete opposite of the founder's uh dank wood. <laughs> I haven't had that one yet. Well, you're gonna like it, Sam. Oh, really? Because it's like somebody scissor-kicked you in the mouth with <laughs> a box. This is <laughs> Sorry, that that beer is a 12% bourbon barrel-aged <laughs> IPA nightmare. Now, I liked it, and I know you'll like it. Not everybody would like it, <laughs> but that's exactly Adam. <laughs> but that is so far to the other extreme of what this beer is. This beer is everything Sam already said. Is it's a nice, refreshing. Easy drinker. I think of it as a lunchtime beer. You just, oh, okay. you know, you just sit down with like a, a nice, you know, sandwich or whatever. I mean, or whatever people with gluten <laughs> <laughs> intolerance
3: would eat. I know you don't do sandwich. <laughs> you know, I can speak bread. from experience. I've had, had this beer for lunch multiple
1: times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's <laughs> sometimes definitely the Sometimes you don't even just a sandwich or any
2: food. Just drink right, beer. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, I like it that way. It, it's nice and refreshing
1: in that sense. And that's not all for you, Hop Nation, because that's only two beers. And in this show, we drink three beers, yeah, and we- so <laughs> stay tuned. We are going to be back in just a flash with uh, Doug and one more RX beer. We'll see you soon.
3: Should you eat that cake in the break room? What makes the ultimate office pet? Is the shuffling from the next bathroom stall a demonic rite or something far worse? On the Work Life Imbalance podcast, you can find terrible answers to some of your most uncomfortable questions, whether it's coming to work with late stage syphilis or staying on trend with pants full of angry raccoons. I'm Frank Eastman and I'm Derek Lewis, two guys who ought to know better on Work Life Imbalance. Find us at WLICast.com, on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found.
1: All right, Hop Nation, we are back here, Rx Brewing, the owner, Doug Foster, and that means with segment three comes one more tasty beverage, so we're going to be trying one more Rx beer here on the show today, and Doug, why don't you tell us what we're going to be drinking last? Yeah, so this is our Amber Ale. Uh, Most of the
3: flavors driven by the different roasts of malt that we use. The malts that we use that make us unique are the millet and the quinoa malts, but Uh, It's all pale malt. The flavored malts or the different roasted malts are all quinoa. And so we use a couple of different uh, medium and crystal malts that that not only give it the darker color, but give it more of the caramel biscuit flavor that you get. And so uh, it's a standard hop. It's a clean yeast. And most of that flavor, like I said, is driven from the malt, which is kind of unique because a lot of the times the malts we're using are there for a base and so we use hops and yeast and additives and fruits and spices to really drive the flavor. And this is one of our, our most malt driven beers.
1: Well it looks very pretty in the glass, <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> I love the color of this beer. It it looks it's very caramely. I like uh, I like the biscuit description.
0: I think you can just tell it isn't color. I think you can get that on the taste. Call it amber. <laughs> I mean, we, <laughs> I know, but I want to be a little more descriptive. <laughs> Sometimes simplicity Fine, is the English. Let's drink it. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> the,
2: the one thing I will remark about the color is, it, as you kind of bend the light against it, it has that interesting, uh, like a characteristic I haven't really seen that much, where it goes from dark to almost a lighter, like a oh, uh, almost back to the blonde color.
0: At the edge, we just kind of bend it against the light. I really want to make a bend it like Beckham joke right here, but I know that that's lowbrow humor, and I won't do it. It's not lowbrow humor. It's just nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: didn't bend it like Beckham come out when you graduated from high school,
1: old man? Yeah, what was that? Nineteen ninety-two. Back in my day, when Kira
0: Knightley was like one, <laughs> we respected our elders. So back to this beer mm-hmm. at hand. Uh, yeah. On the nose, yeah, it, it's an amber ale. That's all there is to it. Yeah, I mean, it has a nice, uh, has a nice malty
1: smell to it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do get some of that caramel flavor, mm-hmm. like just up in the nose. So, yeah, and it uh, differentiates itself from the last two beers. So, that's good too. There's so, definitely
1: have three unique beers there on the show. Yeah, we have.
3: <laughs> at five and a half percent, too, it's like it, it falls into the profile of sessionable and drinkable and a, an approachable version of the style, which is something that we try to accomplish with everything that we're brewing and so it's actually if it's not our most popular it's one of our most popular and we look forward to releasing this in cans or bottles depending on how the the timeline falls uh, sometime later this summer because it is is something that a lot of people that have stopped by the tasting room have requested because it covers a lot of ground like you guys said it's it's caramely it's biscuity and it's just a a beer that
1: I like to drink mm-hmm. during any occasion. Excellent. Well, sh- shall we drink? Yeah. Shall we yeah, taste? Yeah. Sure, let's taste <laughs> <the beer. laughs>
0: Let us actually taste this beer. <laughs> <laughs> so that is a very smooth drinker. There is no doubt about that one. That is That one is a, uh, that's one that you just sit back relax. This is a back porch beer. This is a good, you know, Tuesday evening, the sun's going down, you crack one of these. It is relaxed. That's what this kind of beer is. See, what's challenging about this
1: beer is that we've pretty much said the same thing about the last two beers. So if you really only could have one on your back porch, it's going to make a very uh, challenging decision to, to decide which one of these
0: you want. Yeah. I find that to they're be all They're all great drinkers. Yeah, that's
1: good problems. <laughs> but I, I like the malty, the roasty flavor mm-hmm. of this beer. It's very well balanced. It's not overpowering. Five and a half percent, I think that's a little bit stronger than a yingling, so I mean, yeah. that's that's nice. Get a little higher ABV in there, but you know, you don't taste any of it, it's still no. very, very sessionable, very drinkable. I, I like it, Steve. Thoughts? So, I am happy to report it
2: does pass my du- is it better than a yingling test,
1: <laughs> and that's really saying something because I mean, <laughs> you are like the yingling <laughs> connoisseur of anybody on this right. podcast. If there's one person that loves yingling, we know it's you. Uh, you misspoke despises, but I'll just give you...
2: (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of yingling, my dude. (laughs) I don't Uh, know how you
1: didn't pick up on that earlier. Yeah, sorry. Sorry if that's been going over... It's not that I don't pick up on it, it's I refuse to believe it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You refuse to believe anybody in Pennsylvania hates yingling. Uh, Yes, exactly. That is correct. But yeah, no, I find this a lot easier to drink, it's a lot smoother, and it's a lot more balanced than yingling. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I like it better than that.
0: It's just, so yeah, it's just a good yeah. beer.
2: I'm, I'm uh, the way Adam's not a fan of IPAs. I'm not the biggest fan of lagers and ambers, but uh, I would definitely choose this over <laughs> 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 choose this over the favorite.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Well, without further ado, while we enjoy this uh, this amber beer from RX. We are going to get into the moment that we have all been waiting for. We have. The audience doesn't even know they've been waiting for it, but they have been waiting for it because (laughs) Sam is bringing back the quiz show. Now, I have to say, this is not going to be an Eye of the Hurricane quiz. Thank God. We're not going to be chugging any hurricane on this show. We're not going to be chugging any beer, but we are going to get into a really great quiz that may or may not be centered around gluten-free food, beer, and other things. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! So here's what we're gonna do. I got I got ten questions here, and this is this is also going to be educational for the audience. We're gonna learn a thing or two together while we're while we're quizzing everybody. Would you say this is edutainment? I, I would say it's edutainment, it's the edutaining quiz. Okay. <laughs> so Steve and Adam and Doug are, are going to be our participants here, and it's gonna be pretty simple. Ten questions. Whoever gets the most answers correct. Is going to be deemed the winner and master of the universe for. So. Or, you could, or, you, or you could just say the master of episode 60. <laughs> okay, okay. The master of Ohio River Boulevard, the master of Emsworth, Pennsylvania. <laughs> that is my boulevard. <laughs> All right, so as I mentioned, the rules are simple 10 questions. We're going to go around the horn here, starting with our, our guest, Doug. And if you get the question right, you're going to get two points. If you get the question wrong, uh, the other two participants are going to get an opportunity to steal. And the highest point, point total at the end will be declared the winner. Sounds good. Let's make this Got happen. it? It's pretty simple, right? Yeah. Unword. Okay. So these questions are in no particular order at all, but Doug, you get the first one. And I'm going to start with what I believe is a sem- semi-easy question, but I... Made the quiz, and I know all the answers, so they're all easy (laughs) for me. All right. Which of the following breweries does not make a gluten-free beer? Dogfish Head, Stone, Coors, or Epic? That's a great question. And so the answer is
3: Epic. But Dogfish Head makes a beer called Tweezin that is a sorghum-based beer. Coors had a limited-release beer that was made with pea protein called Golden Peak. And Stone makes a gluten-reduced beer. So if you're asking a purist, the answer is Epic and Stone. But if you're asking someone that just considers gluten-free and gluten-reduced and the same, the answer is Epic. That was the worst nerd answer.
0: I'm sorry. That was just <laughs> terrible. I, I, so I just got to say, I, I Steve, we are screwed. Sure. We are so screwed. Guys, well, I have a whole field advantage study. <laughs> here. Now, ho- now
1: hold on here, though, one second. Now I said does not make a gluten-free beer. So Stone is gluten reduced. Epic makes a gluten-free beer. They
3: do. Wow, this is very embarrassing. And so does <laughs> so
1: Dogfish Head, and Coors Peak is gluten-free yes, I, as well. Wow. So, so, you, so you actually did not get the question correct. That was, and and wow. these, these folks aren't going to get a chance to steal. I was, I was so confident in my answer. Confident. And you even that said was, it. So, Awful! This is is really not going. But you have to understand the the trick with this question was gluten free, whereas Stone does their delicious. What is the name of Epic's gluten-free? The Glutenator. Epic makes one called the Glutenator, which is 100% gluten-free. Where I learned something today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Everyone's (laughs) learned something, so nobody got a chance to steal on that. No. Wow. Steve, I I love the confidence. and It was kind of a trick question. Maybe I shouldn't have said it was so easy, but. uh, Sorry, sorry, Doug, but you're going to get another one here in just uh, three turns. I'm still convinced that we're screwed, Steve. <laughs> Did you study? No. Well, then you might just be screwed. <laughs> okay. So here you go, Adam. We'll, this one's this one's probably going to be a crapshoot for you, but okay. we'll, uh, we're going to ask I'll, it to you anyhow. I will roll the dice. Let's see what happens. Which of the following athletes is truly gluten-free? Okay. Peyton Manning, Serena Williams, Drew Brees... Or
0: Dale Earnhardt Jr. So, when you say gluten-free, is that by choice? No. Or okay, not by All choice. Right, that's, I'm just just making sure. Just making sure. So, I really hope it's not Peyton Manning because <laughs> he owns like 35 Papa Johns. <laughs> <laughs> so businessman though. The answer is not epic. You know <laughs> you're right. in confidence now. So I am going to go with I'm going to go with Drew Brees, and you would be correct. Very good job. So two points for Adam and no
1: opportunity to steal. a bing. Okay. Steve, wheat, wheat germ is something that should be avoided if you are gluten intolerant. The question is, what is a wheat germ? The part of wheat that sprouts and grows into a new plant, a good source of vitamin B that grows from the plant's roots, an ingredient found in common face washes that should be avoided, or the skin of a grain. What is wheat germ?
2: It, like, if I did an A and B, is that like, is that an acceptable thing? I'm no, trying to feel there's, you there's
0: out. there's one true answer. I well, think, you said that on question one, and we said, like, see how that turned out. Well. <laughs> well, I, I had one <laughs> no, he, answer for it. He was right, he, he was had right. one answer. As, as, he was as right. As good uh, as Doug's <laughs> arguments were. <laughs> and his confidence that he had. <laughs> it was not epic. <laughs> Just
3: act like you're supposed to be. No one's going to say it. <laughs> you can buffalo a
2: lot of people, but Sam is not one of them. I'm going to go with A. You are correct. Yeah. The wheat
1: germ is the part of the wheat that sprouts and grows into a new plant.
2: That's what I thought. So if we want to check the scores real quick, it's uh, <laughs> it's Steve with two points, Adam with two points, and gluten intolerant Doug with no points. <laughs> This is no holds bar trivia here, Doug. Look, I want to get that out of the way real quick because I feel like we're still going to lose. Oh, yeah, we're going to get
0: smoked.
3: I'm hustling, you guys. This is like the color of money. Next round's double or nothing. All right.
1: Well, you were up then, my friend. Nine ball? What's nine ball? I can play that game. All right, so here's your question, Doug. Listen to the whole question here. Soak, soak this in. (laughs) I'm so embarrassed. (laughs) I know you are. That's why I want to make sure you got the whole question this time. All right. If a product is labeled wheat-free, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's gluten-free. What ingredient may it still potentially contain? A, corn. B, spelt. C, buckwheat. Or D, sorghum. It is spelt, and you are correct. You are on the board with two points. Just happy to be here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> now, as, as someone who went to the World Wide Web for most of these questions, I don't even know if I know what the hell spelt is, but that is absolutely the right answer. <laughs> it's not corn. It's not sorghum. <laughs> and it's not buckwheat. All righty, Adam. You are up next. Let's make this happen. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna throw you a little bit of a curveball here. All right. And this, this doesn't have to do a lot with being uh, gluten, gluten-free, gluten but more around being vegan-friendly. Oh boy, so you picked the, the only, wrong guy. The only reason, I was at Trivia on Monday and I heard this question, and I thought it might be appropriate for this. Okay, geez, was thanks this, for the invite, this, by the way.
2: Was this Trivia at the Corner Pub? <laughs> it was. See, it's a fun plug to Corner Pub real quick. That's
0: yes, right. let's plug, That's right. plug them real quick.
1: All right, which one of these cookies is not vegan-friendly? Okay. A, Thin Mints... B, Oreos, C, Nutter Butters, or D, Chips Ahoy. Are
0: not vegan-friendly. Not vegan-friendly. So three of these cookies are vegan-friendly. One is not. I know for a fact that Oreos are vegan-friendly. I know that to be true. Don't ask me why I know that. It might be true. Because
2: there's nothing but chemicals in them. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to get something from an animal when it's all grown in a lab. (laughs) put strychnine
0: in Oreos. (laughs) All right, you're you're stalling
1: here. I have no time limit, but...
0: (laughs) I feel that the Girl Scouts are are trying to be all-inclusive, so I feel that that would be vegan-friendly. So it comes down to the Nutter Butter, and it comes down to the Chips Ahoy. And I feel that Chips Ahoy, they would kind of just sort of stumble into that sort of thing, just like they didn't plan it. It just, it's going to happen. So i got to go with Nutter Butter. Final answer.
1: All righty, and that would be incorrect. Ah. Nutter Butters are not... Vegan, or excuse me, they are vegan friendly.
2: So it goes to me for this deal, and I'm going to say it is the Girl Scout cookies that aren't vegan friendly. Everything else is made by a giant conglomerate, and I think by the same company. So I'm going to go uh, Girl Scouts in that they don't care about vegan diets.
1: Okay. Now, Doug, you're going to get the chance. You're going to get a fifty-fifty chance to take the lead here because <laughs> Thin Mints is yeah. in fact incorrect. <laughs> I don't want to appear confident, because that made me look like an absolute idiot
3: beforehand. But I think that Chips Ahoy are not vegan-friendly because chocolate chips have chocolate, which has milk, which is not vegan-friendly.
1: You are correct. Chips Ahoy. That's like... Not vegan-friendly. That's like six degrees of
0: Kevin almond milk. (laughs) But you should
1: celebrate, because you are in the lead, Doug. Three points to two to two, and this question goes to Steve hmm okay here is a whiskey question for you whiskey question which, oh, which, we, oh, yeah. which of the following whiskeys are gluten-free Jack Daniels Jameson Wild Turkey Maker's Mark or all whiskeys are gluten-free hmm I know see tough one mm. Jack Daniels Jim Beam no, no. Jack Daniels, Jameson, oh, Wild Jameson. Turkey, Maker's Mark. Oh, oh, oh. Or oh. all whiskeys are gluten-free. Oh, I heard I
2: heard Jim Beam, not Jameson. Uh, I'm going to go with Jameson, my dude. Well, then you would
1: be wrong. Damn it. And so, we are moving over to Doug DeSeal. So, we know Jameson is not the right answer. You got Jack Daniels, Wild Turkey, Maker's Mark, or all whiskeys are gluten-free. Are you guys ready for the most unsatisfying part of this entire
3: podcast? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is where i have to or at least to my current knowledge get as technical as possible beer it's pretty cut and dry you have naturally gluten-free ingredients you have barley-based beer and then you have your gluten-reduced beers in the middle that are being debated wine is great based so it's naturally gluten-free most liquors it's complicated so a lot of them have a barley-based or wheat-based mash but the gluten protein is supposed to be less volatile than the alcohol distillate. So during the distillation process, it's supposed to make anything gluten-free. I don't know enough about the science behind it, but there's also a risk of cross-contamination. And so if anybody is trying to stick to the strictest letter of the law, anything with a naturally gluten-free mash is gluten-free. But I do believe Maker's Mark makes a gluten-free claim. And
1: from what I found, they do not. They do not. Now we can we can look. I'm that very up. bad at
3: this game. <laughs> we can
1: look, them, look that up. And that was that was a great explanation. So maybe you get a, you get a half a point for that. So, I, I feel like I just gave him a
2: point just for that explanation. Oh yeah, that, that's fine. I mean,
1: yeah, that was. I was going to give a little explanation myself after this, and that was pretty much going to be it. So give, give him a half a point. Okay, so maybe, maybe give him one. I'm really sorry, Sam. So <laughs> I know. To and, be and fair, I ruin everything. Once again, no. we're going to the World Wide Web here, so I can have factually inaccurate information. Because contrary to popular belief, not everything on the internet is true.
2: Nobody lies on the internet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done with that question. Oh, we are? I we ruin. are. Adam ruins the, the game. Say, Here's why. <laughs> no, I mean, exa- you, exactly what you said is, is correct, and it's in line with... Uh, whatever website I found this on, but all whiskeys are somewhat known to be gluten-free. And this is why I'm going to give you a point anyhow, is because, as you said, through the distilling process, um, you know, the gluten is supposed to be minimalized or sucked right out, for lack of a better term. You said it much better than me. But perhaps it's distilled out. (laughs) For the folks that that do uh, have the celiac disease, they tend to shy away from, you know, some of the whiskeys just in case, with the distilling process and when they're making it, it might not be truly gluten-free. I'll take the pity point. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not above. You that. get the pity point. I've been to Maker's Mark, and I, it, if, if, if this ain't consolation, been there. I've taken the tour, and I didn't hear them talk about uh, making gluten-free whiskey. Maybe I was just too drunk. Who knows? So, so what's the answer? It's all whiskeys are gluten-free. Oh, it's always the whiskies. answer. Okay. Yes. It was, it was another trick question of sorts, Okay. so okay. give Doug a half point, but then yeah. round, round it up. Right. All right. What is the name of New Belgium's gluten-reduced beer? Is it A, Gluttony, B, the Voodoo Glute Hop, C, the 1554, or D, they do not currently have a gluten-reduced beer? A. All right. You said it with confidence, and I'm confident that you are correct. correct. <laughs> it is the Gluttony. Good job. Wouldn't it be the gluttony? Yeah, you're, prob- <laughs> you're probably right. Give give yourself a tenth of a point for that. And, and then round actually, down. I believe on the label it says they
3: have a mutiny against gluttony. Yeah. <laughs> or a mutiny against gluten.
1: <sighs> Am I totally like correct? Oh, is no. You, no, market. I think you're right. That's really good marketing. Yeah. It is good marketing, and the label's badass, too. Yeah, it's like a pirate. So it's supposed to be mutiny, but <laughs> gluttony. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Word puns. Happens in the beer world. <laughs> All right. few, All few more time. questions here. Scores are currently Doug at six, Steve at two and a tenth, and Adam at two. I'm Adam, losing by a tenth. How that is that, way, that possible? Adam's coming back with this one because I think you're going to get this. It's another, uh, it's another brewery question. Let's make this happen. All right. This is probably the easiest question on this quiz, so Damn you're it. welcome. <laughs> what is the name of Anheuser-Busch's gluten-free beer? Okay. A. Green Chair. B. Red Bridge c yellow sun d blue sky it is red bridge and you are correct you are correct i have a couple easy ones in there if i'm
3: going to continue with my buzzkill trend by all <laughs> means <laughs> technically you're absolutely right it is red bridge God, I already hate myself for saying <laughs> technically there. That's, like, the nerdiest, like, <laughs> I'm just gonna... anyway. I believe has some kind of controlling stake in the Craft Beer Alliance, which owns, like, Kona and Widmer and all that. Okay. So Widmer has a beer called Omission, which is a gluten-free ah, beer as well. Yeah. So technically... God, I keep doing <laughs> this. So technically, Ian or busch owns Omission <laughs> and Redbridge. I... Please
1: don't have me back. (laughs) No, that's I mean that's that's great supporting information for the question. (laughs) But omission does not make a green chair, yellow sun, or blue sky, so. Love love the enthusiasm. you did a lot of hard work and I No, I did, because I most of these beers I don't drink. (laughs) All right. Steve, what percent of people have celiac disease? Of all people. 1%, 5%, 7%, 1%, 5%, 7%, or 10%?
2: I'm going to go with
1: 7%. And you are going to be wrong. So hopefully that tenth of a point comes in handy. What are you <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this quiz is getting heated. The
3: actual, I believe. Actually. The actual, <laughs> God, I'm the, <laughs> the worst. <laughs> it's 1% of the population has celiac disease, the autoimmune disorder. There is an additional percentage that has a gluten intolerance or an allergy, and there's more being. There is more being <laughs>
1: more discovered mean every mean, day. There's, mean, mean, there's more being right. discovered
3: every day. I really hate myself. right
1: <laughs> <laughs> now. Yeah. Nope, you are correct. One one percent of the population, one in ten. Give that man his point. Yeah, you got his uh, point. Please, I. Okay, well, I'm gonna feel get, much shame. <laughs> <laughs> now, now to make up for that first question, Doug, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. I'm going to completely bend the rules of this next one, and you are going to get a bonus point if you can answer this without me giving the options. Ooh. Okay.
2: Because he needs more points.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> he's, he's only ahead by, what, three, four? <laughs> All right. What does the acronym P-W-A-G stand for? Now, the question is still coming to you if I have to read the answers, but that you get a bonus point. P-W-A-G. Quag. P
3: W A G. It is a real acronym. Yeah. Can
0: I steal that? one? It's, I feel like it's you something it?
3: processed with pro, something processed
1: without processed with ah uh, gluten. <laughs> oh gluten. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, you are close, but you're not. <laughs> All right. So you get you're, you can still get the two points here if you uh, if you get the right answer. So P W A G the acronym stands for a. People with celiac disease avoiding gluten. B. People without celiac disease avoiding gluten. C. Persons who assess gluten intolerance. Or D. Persons who alienate gluten free beers. Wow. People with celiac disease avoiding yeah. gluten. People without celiac disease avoiding gluten. Persons who assess gluten intolerance and persons who alienate gluten free beers. Ricky
0: Vaughn's throwing the haters over here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Give him the Terminator, Rick. <laughs> and I didn't even realize... If you hit it, man.
3: you can name it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this, this is the last question. So this is for all the marbles. A. So you're going with people with celiac disease avoiding gluten. Yes. And that is going to be incorrect. This is bullshit. Adam S- bullshit. Can, I can, get a, can get a point that's not going to matter because he cannot win this no, game. No, I cannot. <laughs> uh- You've got people without celiac disease avoiding gluten, persons who assess gluten intolerance, persons who alienate gluten-free beer. I'm gonna go with persons without. I'm gonna go with whatever option B was. And you would be correct. People without celiac disease avoiding gluten. So good job. So acronym. I learned that
0: today. Second place. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. So that ends the quiz. Hey, and... hold on, hold on. Oh wait, what? So I can give you
2: the. Uh, I can give you what the acronym P A W G stands for. Fat ass white girls.
1: <laughs> 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 I get a point. Okay, you can you can get a point. I feel that. like we've all lost something today. <laughs> That's fine. All right, so in third place, <laughs> third place with three and one tenth point. That was one <laughs> one point that he gave himself a Steve. <laughs> yeah so we'll, we're gonna let him have it for the fat ass white girl comment <laughs> <laughs> three and one tenth points. steve in third place adam in second place with five and even though he missed a few doug you are the winner with seven points so you have won the sam gluten-free master quiz so you get to retain rights to your brewery. You don't have to chug a hurricane beer. And now you own Ohio River Boulevard in all of sort.
2: And he's the master of episode 60. And you
1: are the master of episode 60, so you just cleaned up, my friend. You've... This is all going on the recipe. <laughs> you you you've bet the house and it is paid dividends. It says here you've been the master of episode 60 since 2018. <laughs> That's correct. Alright, so the quiz has ended, but the show has not, because we are still in enjoying the RX Amber from RX. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know, imagine that. And uh, we got to give our final thoughts on this beer and then let's put them on the podium, boys. So, Steve, why don't you go first as our Yingling Connoisseur. I know you said that you thought this was a little bit better, but after it warmed up a little bit and you drank your whole glass there, what are your final thoughts?
2: It's really enjoyable and like every other beer tonight, it's super sessionable. I don't necessarily think I'd have it out at a tailgate because it's a little darker, a little more caramelly. It's not refreshing in that way. It's much more of a wind-down beer for me. But, uh, yeah, no, definitely enjoy it more than (laughs) you.
0: Adam? So I am no longer enjoying this beer, and there's one important reason why. Uh, My glass is empty, so I'm not able to enjoy it anymore. (laughs) So uh, while I did have beer in the glass, I did enjoy it. I did like it. Uh, I, I still believe that this is an evening on the back porch kind of beer. Uh, this is definitely one you crack when the sun is going down. You can sit, you can relax with this beer. I really liked it, uh, and I would be much, much more willing to have another one uh, than honestly a going And I'm a yengling fan, so that's that's some high praise. And I don't I, I don't say that lately. Excellent.
1: Well, I have to I have to say. I am also a Yingling fan. Probably of the three of us, I'm probably the biggest Yingling fan. I love Yingling; it's a great beer. And you know, the RX Amber is also a great beer. And I, I I'm not just saying this because we we're sitting at the brewery, and, <laughs> and one of the co-owners is right to my right. But I, I really do like it. I think it has, I think it has more flavor. It's got a lot of character. It's very well balanced. Uh, some great malt flavor, and it's just, it's so drinkable. And uh, you know, I, I'd like it a lot. That's, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Great beer.
3: For us, that's one of the biggest compliments because we want to bring people back to the table to have a beer that they enjoy, something they can share with friends. And so all of our beers are sessionable, but that's intentional. And all of our beers are flavorful. And we want people to, whether you're a fan of the blonde, fan of the session, fan of the amber, it, it doesn't matter. As long as you can find something that you can enjoy and something you can share with friends, that's something we're most motivated by and so uh they all have that they all share the thread of being naturally gluten-free and being brewed with millet and quinoa and being brewed sessionably but they all have something that stands out that defines them and makes them a little bit of a different beer and so uh if someone's out there and wanting to try one hope you try them all but there's definitely something that we brew that's out there for everybody great great yeah couldn't have said it better myself
0: yeah
1: so head to the podium
2: Yes, yeah. scoot on over there so at this point Doug if you don't know we're gonna take your three beers and we're gonna put them all up against each other and give one a bronze and give one a silver and give one a gold. I'll fight to the death <laughs> and then we'll give you that chance at the end Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so I don't know who wants to start I'll start I don't give a shit. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, then.
2: all right, go for it. No one's stopping you. <laughs> I always try to go early because I, I got to do the social media stuff at the oh, end. Oh, that's, right. that's right. You don't you want to know, talk. Steve overload. Yeah, that's you don't right. Want to talk uh, too long. Too much
0: Steve overload. A Steve overload.
2: Yeah. So the bronze I'm going to give to the amber. I I like the beer, and like I already said, I do like it more than you know the Yingling. Uh, but it's still kind of that amber caramelly uh, flavor that's not my favorite thing in the world. But I. Still like this way more than a lot of other loggers we drink on this show. Vienna logger, logger backbone, logger, <laughs> whatever the hell that was. <laughs>
1: Vienna logger, <laughs> Vienna, Vienna logger. <laughs> <Vienna, laughs> <laughs> Noxious name.
2: <laughs> Jerk off naming convention. <laughs> uh, the silver I'm going to give to the session IPA. I like that a lot too, and it definitely satisfies that kind of gateway IPA level for people. I guess I would kind of enjoy something a little more hoppy. I did like it a lot, and I do find it refreshing, so also a very good beer, but the gold I'm going to give to the Blonde, that was super, super refreshing, and it just had that nice citrus notes about it, and it also was, uh, like all the other beers, super crushable, so yeah, uh, hard to pick between the three, but uh, that's how I'm going.
0: (laughs) So I'll jump in next, and and bottom line, it it seems to me like It doesn't come down to to quality between the three beers. It essentially comes down to what kind of styles do I prefer uh, with with this ranking. All three beers, uh, they all have their positive attributes. Attributes, They all have uh, good qualities, and they're all good beers. Uh, So essentially what it comes down to is what kind of styles do I like? is how this is gonna come into play so for me the bronze is gonna to go to the session IPA uh, it certainly has its positive qualities and i like the fact that it got the hell out of the way when it was supposed to but it still presented itself as an IPA it was an IPA through and through but it wasn't obnoxious and wasn't you know a hops executioner or anything like that <laughs> it was it was very good for what it was supposed to be and I appreciate that in the silver metal position I am going to go with the amber ale uh, that is a very very good beer like I said uh, maybe five minutes ago uh, that's a, a good back porch beer it's got a good flavor to it it's got a good mouth feel to it I like it but it came up against that Blondé which I can 100% understand why it is one of the flagships uh, of this brewery that is a very good beer very sessionable, very drinkable, very light, very crisp It just it's it's checking boxes left and right and to me that puts that in the gold medal position uh, hands down that's it all right same words t- my
1: turn i'm gonna keep it short and sweet because you guys pretty much said all, all that there is to be said so th- this third place uh this third place position might come as a little surprise to some but i'm actually putting the session ipa there myself really wow i i know right and, and nothing against it i enjoyed it but i don't know as a hophead, <laughs> I, I, if i have to put one down there i'm putting this because i I, I want a little more hot flavor in my beer, but still very good. I mean, very drinkable. I uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, the silver and the gold are kind of a toss up for me, but because they were both so good, but I liked, um, I liked the blonde a little bit better. So with that, um, the Amber is actually going to go into second place. I thought the Amber had the most flavor of all the beers and it, it was very well balanced and added had this multi richness to it that I really enjoyed. But I got to go with the blonde first because there was just so much flavor coriander and sweetness and great drinkability that and I this let's just let, let it be known. I I, I challenge known. any brewery that's out there that makes a blonde to try to get <laughs> that beer on this show and to get me to put it in first place again. Because this is probably going to be the first time I ever put a blonde, which is one of my least favorite styles of beer, in first place. But this one was great. It's crushable. It's drinkable, and I really really like the flavor of it. All right.
3: So now we turn it to Doug. Rank your babies. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. Number one would be my dog, Beckley. Number (laughs) two, my wife, Amy. Oh, Oh, boy. (laughs) Just kidding. My wife, Amy, is definitely number one. But, man, it's really tough. And as I sit here, people always ask Ryan, what's your favorite beer? And he has a ranking system because he used to be able to drink all these different barley based craft beers and all these different beers and so There's a flavor that he's chasing that is always there and for me when we brew a different style of beer There's something that he's chasing and for me When it comes to the different beers, we brew a lot of times. It's the first time I've ever had that style but I thought you guys all gave great arguments and great explanations, and certainly we'll take all of that as feedback. But I actually think I mimic Sam the most in this regard. And for me, the Session IPA is one of my favorite beers because I I think it is very difficult to blend gluten-free grains with hops. And so I probably drink the most Session IPA, but that said, the Amber and the Blonde technically are probably our superior styles. And so the flavor of the amber and the different malted grains that we get from from grouse really shine in the amber. And so, and with the blonde, the coriander and the different citrus flavors definitely accentuate the style the most. And so I'd have to go bronze session IPA, silver amber, and gold blonde.
1: Oh, no, you got it right, too. Yeah,
2: it yeah. like me. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, if you want to find us on social media, all you got to do is search Hop Nation USA, and that'll get you Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to listen to brand-new episodes of the Hop Nation USA podcast every Friday like you should, then search Hop Nation USA on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, and Google Music Play. And if you're on itunes leave us a five star review because why adam well uh, we are a six star show but they only let us use five that's Mm -hmm. very very true but those five stars help us grow and they help us get to a bigger audience and if you're looking for anything else just visit hopnationusa.com for features and reviews you won't find anywhere else with that i'm going to give it back to doug Tell us about uh, where people can find Orox, where people can find you at events. Anything
1: you want to promote, pretty much. Now is the opportunity. Now's your time. (laughs) Plug away.
3: Yeah, Steve. So I guess I should say if you can't find us at your local bar, restaurant, bottle shop, beer distributor, grocery store, tell the manager, tell whoever's involved with buying beer that you want Orox Brewing Company and that you want a great tasting, naturally gluten free beer. You can check us out online at ww. or check us out on all the social media nonsense at Orox Brewing Company on Twitter and Instagram or at Orox Brewing Company at Facebook on Facebook. Do you, are you on or at Facebook? With okay. Facebook? We're on yeah. Facebook. <laughs> We're in unison with Facebook.
2: Right. <laughs> You're
1: all right. So- well, Doug, can't thank you enough for being on the show today. I uh, really appreciate it. This is very informational. Loved uh, the opportunity to come out here, drink some of your beer, learn more about gluten free uh, brewing. And I just have to say for to all the listeners out here, I mean, these beers, you know, it's easy to for us to rate them against one another and it's, you know, helps that we're at the brewery with one of the owners. But at the same time, I mean, I, I think I speak for everyone when I say these beers hold up against some of the best that pittsburgh has to offer we're not just saying that because we're here on the show i mean these are great beers if you haven't checked out rx beer check it out check out the brewery um it's on ohio river boulevard in emsworth pa 10 minutes outside
0: of pittsburgh (laughs) 10 minutes outside of pittsburgh
1: uh what are your hours doug uh so if somebody does want to come down to the brewery and and taste all this delicious beer when when should they do it Well, check out the website, because the hours sometimes tend to be flexible, but we're always open Saturdays
3: from noon to 6. We're looking at bringing back our traditional tasting room hours and our traditional tasting room. So visit the website, but we can always be here from noon to 6 on Saturdays. That's great. And, like, Sam, you already made an allusion to this,
2: but you said if you want to see how these beers hold up against other Pittsburgh beers, come to Brews of the Bird. Brews of the Bird. Brews of
0: the Bird. Damn it, (laughs) (laughs) dummies.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Beers of the Berg, that one. (laughs) Orux is going to be there. They will. So you can can do it yourself. You can taste test Orux against the rest of the Pittsburgh beers.
1: That is true. (laughs) June 2nd at the Cary Furnace. Limited tickets remain. Very limited tickets remain. Be there or be square. Well, with that dated-ass reference, I think that's about (laughs) it for Episode 60. Doug, thank you again for being on the show. Adam, thank you for that reference. Steve, thanks for drinking everything. We'll see you next week. Thanks to fat-ass white girls. (laughs) And everybody else, happy drinking. We'll see you next week.